This is the Ether Review, a talk show passing the components of the Ethereum global computing platform and its ecosystem. Building on a basic knowledge of the blockchain, we seek to understand the mechanics behind this new generation computing network and the services it powers. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Hey. Hey, man. You know, I don't think I've ever actually seen your face, Jared. No way. That's true, actually. Because <laughs> I always had, I always had real bad internet. Yeah, yeah. So, so did I. I was like always hopping around in different places. So cool. Uh, you're in. Uh, you're back in Australia, New Zealand, something like this. So yeah, New Zealand, Auckland. right? Auckland. Yeah. Auckland. Yeah. Auckland. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, oh, yeah, great to meet you too, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Today on the Ether Review, Carl Bennett and Jared Hope of the Status Project join me to discuss their new mobile client. Thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for having us, Arthur. <laughs> so, so for the audience, this is uh, kind of a uh, the the world has fully turned and uh, I'm speaking with Jared who was actually co-founded the Ether of View with me. So it's a, uh, it's kind of a nostalgic experience. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it's definitely awesome to, to start with uh, that with you. Unfortunately, uh, status has just taken up more and more of my time as it's come along and it's become like a full on, full on project. That's, just my entire day, my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Status? Sure. I mean, well, before we talk about like Status um, as the project, I think it's really interesting to uh, talk about our higher goals. Uh, we're really trying to create uh, something for mass adoption uh, without compromising on uh, decentralization. So uh, Carl and I actually have a background in software distribution. And so we took uh, what it would look like uh, from a user acquisition perspective, to get uh, a client to the hands of like hundreds of millions of people. Um, and so really to do that, we end up looking at uh, where the users are. Uh, and since uh, there's been a shift or a trend from desktops to uh, mobile devices, I think uh, in 2015, uh, now more time is actually spent on smartphones than on desktops. And a third of all the time that's actually spent on a smartphone uh, is in within sort of social uh, network applications, particularly uh, messengers. So, I mean, it seems like uh, humans, like they, we love, to, we just love to communicate. From there, we started looking at uh, what are the most dominant applications uh, in terms of monthly active users, because uh, that's one of the key metrics when you're looking at uh, people's daily daily lives and what uh, is being used constantly. Uh, and again. Uh, instant messages were dominating those. In fact, uh, in, uh, compared to web browsers, you have roughly double the amount of monthly active users in messengers. You know, so I, I think to sort of expand on that is when you kind of think of a, a visual expression of something like Bitcoin, um, you kind of think of it as sort of a send and receive currency. And sure, it's capable of a little bit more than that. But what should like a mobile user interface of Ethereum look like? And that's kind of what we're trying to do with status. So it's kind of like Miss for mobile is one way to think about it. Um, but it's really using messaging as a platform. So not only can you send sort of social payments, um, encrypted messages, 
but you can also interact with dApps on your smartphone. Yeah, capturing like, because Ethereum is quite general and capturing that generality uh, on, on a smartphone device or in the user interface um, is something that the Mist guys have really nailed, I think. Uh, and trying to uh, capture that on a smartphone device is, is where we're, where we're really, try, really trying to head. After all of that rambling, uh, to the end user status is what Carl mentioned, is the encrypted instant messenger, uh, where you can just happen to browse dApps as well and do all sorts of things like social payments, uh, talking with chatbots, or any sort of conversational commerce. But for us, uh, our, um, sorry, for us, uh, these F-geeks, uh, status is actually a mobile Ethereum node. Uh, we actually run Go Ethereum on the device and connect directly to the Ethereum network. Uh, we make full use of the Ethereum web stack as well, whether that's using the blockchain uh, and Whisper for messaging. Um, and we actually have Swarm support around the corner as well. So Whisper, so is that actually functional now? It's a good question. Um, Whisper's, Whisper's had a... It hasn't been a priority, I think. Uh, I didn't get too much love uh, last year, but uh, Vlad uh, Glohovsky is really spearheading that now. Um, a little bit of history on that. Uh, it was, we're using version two of Whisper, which has been around since DevCon 1. Then Whisper got developed on the C++ uh, plat, um, implementation of Ethereum. Uh, and that saw the incarnations of three and four. Uh, but now that's kind of uh, fading into the background. Vlad has actually moved on to the Go Ethereum project and is now implementing Whisper version 5. And that's what we are now actually updating status to be compatible with. Um, and what's really, really cool about uh, version 5 is that uh, there is now this capability of having sort of private Whisper servers uh, or offline messaging. Uh, essentially, uh, sorry, Whisper inboxing. So what that means is uh, currently in, in a peer-to-peer -peer network or in status, you have to have both peers online to communicate with each other because you send a message out and it has a time to live. If that other person isn't online, it'll die and you, that person will never receive the message. Uh, we actually implement a sort of uh, ACK protocol on top of that, or acknowledgement protocol on top of that. So... When you send a message, you get a delivery status so you can retransmit the message if that person doesn't get it. That's how we compensate for that. Um, but what's really cool about these, uh, um, this offline messaging and whisper inboxing, we can now do push notifications. So this is sounding to me a lot like a kind of anti-WeChat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, WeChat is a huge inspiration for us. I think... Uh, I've talked to a couple of friends of mine who live in China and uh, they've just seen the transformative effect that WeChat has had uh, and moving away. It's really allowed a lot of comp uh, companies and sort of independent contractors to move away from paper and expand their businesses. Um, but yes, we're definitely doing essentially WeChat with its sort of decentralized twist. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the sort of problem with WeChat in line is you really have to relinquish your privacy in order to use them. So I think messaging as a platform is this really amazing concept. Um, but the existing solutions come with some very large trade-offs. So I think that's kind of what sort of sets us apart in that regard. The uh, Ethereum values of uh, being permissionless and to even integrate onto the WeChat platform, you kind of need their blessing. 
whereas Ethereum is more of an ecosystem and we hope to reflect that as well. So if you can create a dApp, more power to you. It's like an interface with the world. I mean, that's what WeChat is in essence, right? It's a single interface that gives you access to a host of services as opposed to having to learn an, a new interface for every application. And then what, you're, what you've done with Status, it seems like you've built this single interface that can serve the entire Ethereum uh, ecosystem. Yep, just like MetaMask or MISC, absolutely. And that, it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, so have you guys heard of Urbit? Yeah, yeah, I actually listened to um, the podcast you did with those guys a little while back. It was, it's great, right? It's pretty abstract. It's a bit abstract for me, the idea of like aggregating data feeds and all this kind of stuff. But it seems like while they're attacking this thing at the lowest possible level, you guys have taken uh, have found yourself in a much more pragmatic position where you're taking these uh, you're taking applications that have been built to run on the Ethereum network and providing an interface for the uh, for the user directly. And the fact that the network is decentralized means that you guys don't have the uh, don't have to build this this mathematically complete operating system like those guys do. Yeah, I think they're taking a sort of bottom up approach, which is really really interesting, uh, and that can lead to some very very uh, fantastic directions. Uh, whereas we're probably a sort of top down approach, and uh, I mean we there's some fantastic people within Ethereum doing amazing things. Um, everyone in the foundation is just some of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, and so if we can contribute to that, uh, we're very happy. So where are you guys based right now? So uh, our team's kind of scattered all over the place. Um, there's eight of us in total, but our company's headquartered in Singapore. Um, we're living in Singapore for the moment. Um, but we've kind of been traveling around, um, Sort of living in somewhat nomadic lives for the past few years. So, when is uh, when is the uh, the status launch planned? Well, uh, we actually just drafted up a roadmap, um, and we've got a lot of things to to do uh, before we can actually think about a launch. Uh, we've had the alpha come out at the beginning of the year, uh, and we have a bug fix release that's almost ready to go. We have uh, there's a small blocking issue upstream in, in the Geth Light client. Um, we're confident that's going to be fixed uh, hopefully next week. Um, and moving on from that, uh, we have a whole bunch of features and things we need to we need to get done over the over 2017 and even leading into 2018. Uh, but before that, uh, we'll definitely have some security audits uh, moving into sort of Q3 of 2017, and after that, we hope to have a sort of beta release. What have the challenges you've run into been, apart from from these uh, the the small issues with the Geth client? Um, have you found that there is a, or do you feel that there's a specific reason that we haven't seen a uh, a mobile client for Ethereum yet, or do you think it's just uh, the fact that no one came along and uh, and built it? Pretty much. We were actually working on a mobile Bitcoin browser back in 2013. It was going to be called Coin Hero. Um, and at that time, we were playing with like MasterCoin. But for us, they didn't do exactly what we really wanted. Uh, and to create sort of distributed, decentralized applications. 
And I have to remember the day when, like, the Ethereum white paper was released. I started reading it, and my jaw just dropped. Carl, this is solving all of our problems. So anyway, fast forward, like, about a year from there, and, like, uh, the implementations uh, get made. We actually won a small dev grant from to put the Ethereum J, the uh, Java implementation, to Android. And because people thought we were just crazy. I mean, thinking the full blockchain devices that couldn't even store it. Um, and uh, it was, I remember even uh, this guy, uh, Kobe Gurkham, he uh, actually got our work running on a smartwatch. And since then, uh, we actually started doing an approach that some of the other clients are kind of doing now, which is uh, uh, this sort of intermediary server, like an RPC kind of proxy. The problem with that approach is you're not really solving the problem of decentralization. You still have an intermediary that's trusted. And I mean, sure, you're, you can have the private keys on there, but, um, and I understand the sort of damage considerations, but it, it just didn't really speak, speak to the spirit of what we're trying to do. And apart from that, like uh, the sort of challenges, uh, I always said that it was kind of like building a castle on sand. Because even the status is in alpha, uh, every technology that we're working on is in alpha as well. In fact, some are experimental. So it's definitely challenging lots of hurdles, but uh, we love what we do. How did you guys all get together in the first place? So uh, I guess uh, Jared and I have been yeah, business partners for about six years, and uh, we met through like another friend in New Zealand, actually, and we're working with him on one project briefly. Uh, then he went off and did his own thing, and, and Jared and I started this software distribution network. Um, the gist of this business was we'd partner with software developers and startups, and we'd try and help them acquire new users or get traction to their products. Um, and then we kind of always had this interest in Bitcoin, and we kind of followed the space. And then at a certain point, it just seemed like we should devote all of our time to this. So it was really the beginning of last year that we started putting all of our time into status. And it's just been, um, yeah, going since then. So where to now? What was the, uh, what did you estimate the possible release date for, uh, or, you know, d- general time of release for status was? Um, so, I mean, we'll p- hopefully... Uh, we will have the sort of foundational layer kind of ready uh, by the end end of Q3 2017, and then we'll start doing security audits. And that may take us to the very end of the year. Um, while that's happening, we're actually going to start working on our, essentially our default dApps. Um, and so that's going to be things like a, a dApp store uh, and a sticker market. Uh, which is a sticker market can seem quite trivial, um, but in terms of a, a revenue generator, like if you look at something like Line, um, it makes up like 25% of all their revenues. And I think Line even did like, how much was it last year? Like $280 million in, in sticker sales or something like this. <laughs> it's just as crazy. Yeah. Um, but another one of the projects that we're doing in parallel at that time is this uh, global teller network. Um, and, and really, so the Global Teller Network is something like uh, exchanging fiat for crypto tokens uh, because we see there's a, a bit of a problem in terms of actually getting crypto tokens in the first place. And so it'd be really cool to uh, find people who are nearby 
and meet up with them in a cafe and do some exchange. Um, and of course, like small businesses or stalls could be set up and use the same same sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So, what are what DApps are you guys most excited about? Ooh, well, they're really good. I'm not sure if I want to play favorites. Uh, I think uh, prediction markets are super fascinating. I love the idea of being able to uh, bet on your intelligence, essentially, and seeing how smart you are or not. <laughs> I think identity is really interesting for me. I had um, the chance to sort of play around with Uports Alpha the other day, and that thing is, is very impressive. Another, another one that's really interesting uh, is this, this idea of like stable coins. Uh, I think that's really going to help with mass adoption when uh, you can have some kind of US dollar or euro uh, equivalent or one equivalent, which is much going to be a lot more familiar uh, than some kind of magical internet money. So what does decentralized mass storage like Swarm mean for, uh, mean for mobile Ethereum? Well, I think it's, uh, it becomes a sort of alternative to cloud computing uh, and cloud storage. Uh, and you will see that with Golem and, uh, and of course, with Swarm. Um, and what I, what I think is really interesting in terms of Swarm is that it, in terms of Swarm and Whisper, you have these gradients uh, between uh, holding, hosting things privately or within the entire network. For example, you can kind of set up your own Swarm node on your local PC or your desktop at home and only use that for your storage. Uh, but you can also deploy it uh, in the entire network. Uh, for status, I mean, it's going to be used for, like, for status, within the status chat, it's going to be used for things like messages. And, uh, or, uh, uh, within status itself, it's going to be used for image messages and sort of uh, micro messages, like audio messages. Uh, but it will also be doing a really cool thing where you can have uh, your accounts sort of database backed up into Swarm. So right now, like when you do an account recovery, uh, with your uh, your key phrase and password, all you're doing is you're recovering that private key. But what would be really cool is if you can, in a in a trustless and encrypted way, uh, then recover your private key and then pull down all your previous chat histories uh, and, and your current setup within Status. Does that really answer your question? I'm sure <laughs> it does perfectly because what this really sounds like is, I mean, is exactly the tagline that has been. Uh, that, that people have been using for so long, and that is the decentralized cloud. It's your data, but no one owns it. You know, you can, mm. uh, the magic, I don't know if you guys remember when you first, uh, like lost your phone and then reloaded all your, uh, and then, you know, logged back into Google on a new one and, uh, and all of your contacts were there and your email was there and you handled your apps. And it was just like, wow, this is totally amazing. You know, this is no longer that like, Nokia, you know, what was it twenty something? <laughs> you, you know, you know the old ones that just only had um, they were like a hundred dollars. They were amazing. Hey, don't the Nokia's? They're still functioning. I love. <laughs> yeah, they are. Those things still survive nuclear war. <laughs> but <laughs> like the cockroach. Yeah, exactly. The cockroach of uh, of mo- of devices. But <laughs> and that, there was that good one, this little torch. But um, but yeah, that, that what this really sounds like is the be all and end all, the final the final login that we've been waiting for that will just store everything. Um, it's, it's totally awesome. But that follows on to a, uh, uh, another question, and that is what does this mean for the everyday user? 
like you know, the every man. I mean, what is this going to? Uh, what is their experience going to be, uh, or how is this going to affect their day to day lives? I think that's a it's a really good question because attempting to sort of articulate some of these benefits to the average person is also a challenge because I think privacy it only appeals to a certain percentage of the population and similarly like the ethos of Ethereum is compelling to a lot of people. Um, but when you start talking about the possibility of 50 or 100 million users, I think these sort of somewhat philosophical benefits, they're going to be somewhat lost. So I think the average person, what they really want is just convenience and ease of use and low fees. And I think our hope is that that's what status can provide. Like these sort of decentralized applications, they'll slowly begin to replace or provide alternatives to all of the functions that happen initially, perhaps in the financial sector. Um, and I think we're competitive in that regard because we can um, outcompete in terms of fees. Um, so another way to answer that, I, I think it sort of pays to think about the Ethereum ecosystem as a whole. And status is really just this little piece in the ecosystem that's sort of providing an on-ramp for the general public into Ethereum. Um, so I think the benefits there are sort of a, a path towards an internet where users get to run their own data, our collective right to privacy is pre preserved, and hopefully our economies can be built on top of these open protocols. I think uh, like more generally speaking as well, uh, Nick Zabo actually released a, a blog post today on sort of money blockchains and social scalability. Did you get a chance to read it at all? Uh, I haven't read it yet, no, but I, uh, I'll definitely link to it in the notes. Yeah. So uh, basically he touches on this idea of uh, social scalability, and I think that's really important. Like um, back when you think about sort of tribal tribes, you had kind of a chief and, and the, the sort of social network could uh, govern and moderate itself. Uh, and we really invented a sort of legal system to be able to scale socially uh, to create larger sort of societies and civilizations. And uh, I think with the introduction of blockchains, we now have this sort of trustless source of truth and it will allow us to scale uh, as a civilization much faster. And, and so I think that becomes really, really interesting in terms of like a user's uh, sort of um, daily life like you could create sort of these sort of mini laws uh, between friends, for example. Uh, and if it works well, it can be de deployed globally and used by millions of users, uh, even though you might have only intended it to work between you and your friends. So basically, uh, you know, th there's the whole idea of smart contracts uh, within Ethereum. Um, but there's a problem on a, on a mobile device that we see is like, you don't want to really be writing solidity on a smartphone if you want to create a custom smart contract between friends, right? So uh, we're thinking about creating a sort of visual programming language, uh, which then can be, uh, which can actually have a market around it. So developers can create these sort of components that can then be clicked together by other users. Uh, and of course, there's a whole bunch of security concerns there. And then we obviously need formal proofing and all that sort of stuff. But um, I, I, maybe in 2019 or to the late 2018, I'd love to start tackling that problem. Uh, but uh, all of that aside, 
what I find really interesting is to imagine what a future will look like. Uh, and we're kind of we're kind of moving into a world where, in say the Ethereum universe, there is really no distinction between an autonomous entity like a smart contract or a robot and a human. Um, at the end of the day, they both resolve down to an address within uh, within the blockchain. Uh, and I think the, the concept of robots or like self-driving cars owning themselves and being able to make money for themselves and uh, repair themselves and, and perform jobs and tasks in society uh, becomes really, really fascinating to me. So with everything we've just discussed in review, it sounds like status is a whole lot more than just an Ethereum, another Ethereum browser. Like we've been talking a lot about sort of uh, like Ethereum is all about sort of this idea of like decentralization um, and sort of this disintermediation and, and not having and creating these sort of trustless systems. Um, and I briefly touched on this idea of like, like having a trusted server or an intermediary. Um, what's also interesting about that is the, the client itself becomes trusted and we're now thinking about how we can kind of remove, like a client itself become is a gatekeeper in a way. Actually, you know what? Scratch this. We'll talk about it later. No, no, that was good. <laughs> no, that, that was going to be really good because it is a gatekeeper, right? And it is a trusted yeah. element. With that in mind, is there? I mean, you know, how how do we trust status? And is this a uh, is this a new problem that just hasn't been uh, widely acknowledged? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fantastic question, uh, and it is it is a problem. Um, I mean, first, Status is an open source uh, project, so what's great about that is you know many eyeballs can look over our source and see what we're doing, um, but they can also build it themselves, and that's really important because if we're distributing a binary and it has a certain hash, uh, people can build it their own binaries and check the hash of that that file against ours. And if it doesn't match, uh, then there's something fishy going on. Um, and so we can be called into question. Uh, but on top of that, there's, at the end of the day, we're going to be acquiring uh, installs to a single binary that's going to be sitting on some app store, whether it's Google Play or on iOS. Uh, and so we really need to start thinking about how we can disintermediate the decisions that we're going to make. Uh, and we don't have like any uh, firm solutions on that now. We do have some ideas, uh, but that's what we'll be thinking about in the upcoming months. So where can people find out more about Status? Sure. So they can go to um, www.status.im. Um, they can also join our Slack, uh, which is slack.status.im or ETH Status on Twitter. Awesome. Hey, well, thanks for coming on, guys. It's uh, great to great to actually have you on for. I mean, it's probably fifty episodes since uh, since you've this audience has heard your voice, Jared. So um, it's awesome to have you. On. <laughs> thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. This has been the Ether Review. Visit etherreview.info for more episodes, email contact at etherreview.info or follow us on Twitter at etherreview.info.